What would you do if you were standing at a urinal in a public restroom? When all of a sudden you see a man standing in the corner, staring at you with sparkling eyes. <laughs> this isn't a romance episode. And then we travel to Greece to take a look at a bizarre encounter that happened on a country road late one night. And it all happened when a man called the police to inform the authorities there was something standing in the road. Something pretending to be a person. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend and I hope you guys got some cool Halloween plans coming up. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so first off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give it up for our newest Patreon supporter. Get on your feet. I don't care what you're doing. You're holding a bunch of babies in a maternity ward. Clap those hands for Mori Sato. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in, Mori. Walk on into Dead Rabbit Command. Mori, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. I really do. Just help spread the word about the show. That really... Really, really helps out a lot. If you get any amount of value from this show, please share it with others. That helps the show grow. Now, Friday's episode, I ended with a little bit of a cliffhanger. I said I was going to cover the story about this empire that has been completely erased from history. It's not the Tatarian Empire either. I don't want anyone to think that we're going back down that rabbit hole. But that, is, that does play a part of it. We're going to look at that theory as well. But I came up with some more information that I wanted to give that story some time to grow. So we're not going to address that one today, just to let you know that this empire didn't silence me as well. But we'll keep that on the back burner. That'll come out later this week. Right now, Maury, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to jolly old England. <laughs> old-timey car driving across that world-famous continent bridge spanning the Atlantic Ocean. We're headed to a town called Chester, and that's in England. We're in the city of Chester. It's called a cathedral city, so maybe it used to be a big church that they knocked down all the walls and put up a 7-Eleven. I don't know, because I'm not interested in that. I mean, I could easily looked it up on Wikipedia, right? I saw his cathedral city. I was like, ah, that's enough information. Let's get to the ghosts, because that's what we're about here. I'm all about ghosts and public toilets. When I saw that, I was like, oh, I got to cover this one. In Chester, there's a place called Frodsham Street. And on Frodsham Street, this is still here. There's public restrooms. You're like, listen to this podcast as you're walking around. You're like, oh, tell me the address, bro. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. You're running up and down Frodsham Street. Well, hold it in because this story is quite terrifying. On Frodsham Street, there's these public toilets. And because of this is a tourist destination, people constantly have to go to the bathroom because they're like drinking more fluids than they did at home. They're all dehydrated. They're like, boss, I need to take a vacation. I need to drink some fluids. Ah, I go to Chester. So they're drinking a bunch of stuff. They're like walking around with all big gulps and things like that. And they're like, oh, my bladder. It's totally going to blow up. You go in the men's restroom and when you walk in, you're all alone. You're all alone in this men's restroom. You walk up to the urinal to go pee. Now that's a bad idea to begin with. Here's a tip. Don't ever use the urinal. Don't ever use the urinal because when you're standing at the urinal and you're going pee, 
Someone can walk behind you and get you in a chokehold. <laughs> I, actually, I very rarely use urinals because that's where people beat you up. It's, it's never happened to me. It's never happened to me in 46 years of life. But when you're standing there, your pants are down, right? You're peeing. You only got one arm. You can maybe like elbow them on the side because you still have to pee, right? Your bladder's full. You're super exposed. I always go to pee in the stall. So first off, there's a tip from your good friend, Jason Gardner. Don't use the urinal. You might get choked out and robbed. But in this case, you, you, didn't, you didn't get my advice. You're just hanging out. You're not worried about getting mugged in England. You're standing there at the urinal. You're going to the bathroom. The second reason that's a bad idea is because of the, because of this one event, because of this one story. You should never use the urinal. If you use the urinal at this public restroom in Frodsham Street, you're going to pee. And all of a sudden, remember the bathroom was empty. Bathroom was empty when you came in. All of a sudden, you see out of the corner of your eye, there's a guy standing in the corner. And you're like, wait, what, huh? You're all of a sudden tucking your chin in so you don't get choked out. You turn and you look over and you see this young man. He's standing in the corner. You're like, wait, what? There's no urinal over there. Also, he's staring at me. This is kind of weird. And you're looking at this dude. And you realize he has pale skin, kind of like a sickly look to him. But his eyes... His eyes are described with such adjectives as sparkling or vivacious. <laughs> they don't say if he winks at you. They don't say if he goes, ding, winks at you. But he's staring at you with these very lifelike eyes while the rest of him looks like he's just like deathly ill. You're looking at him. You're kind of making eye contact with him now. And then you go, <laughs> I want to see what the rest of this guy looks like. So your eyes begin to travel down his body, and that's when you notice in one hand he's holding one of those old-timey straight-edge razors. And you're like, this is not good. But fear not. Fear not. He's not going <laughs> Fear not, dear traveler. He's not going to use that razor on you. Because you look, <laughs> you breathe a sigh of relief when you see this. You're like, ah, oh, good. He has slit his own wrists. And there's just blood pouring out of his forearms, dripping off the razor blade, pooling on the bathroom floor. And you're like, that was, that was a close one. I thought I was about to get killed. But he just killed himself. This is the ghost of this public toilet, this public restroom on Ford Sham Street. There's been a ton of sightings of this guy. This was one of those stories I found on the Shadowlands.net. Actually, no, it wasn't. This was a story. I was looking for other stuff. I was looking for some other ghosts in England, and this story kept popping up. I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. I mean, listen, when I say that, it's sad that a man killed himself. I wanted to be very clear. I feel like, feel like I always have to say that. I'm never pro-death just so I can tell a ghost story. But that aside, that's pretty dope, right? Because public restrooms are already scary. You could get mugged at any time. They're scary because you're so exposed. You're doing, you're pooping or you're peeing, and it's hard to fight when you're doing either one. And if you're doing both, I think you can just not fight. I think you just give them your wallet at that point. Your pants are down around your ankles. You're trying to squat and poop and punch all at the same time. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> I would be incredibly impressed if you could pull that off. Public restrooms are scary. Pooping and peeing in public, you feel super exposed. And then ghosts, adding a ghost into that. You walk into a restroom, and there's a bloody dude standing in the corner. It's so disturbing. We talked about it recently on the show. Why are there so many bathroom ghosts? And this is one of the stories I was kind of thinking in the back of my head. I kind of wanted to tell this one separately. 
A bathroom is actually a perfect place, I think, to contain a ghost. You have all this running water, and a lot of times running water, bodies of water, are considered great conduits for spirits. I think also all the mirrors can have some sort of reflecting power to it. You're like, Jason, you're just making stuff up now. Bloody Mary's like, no, stay here. It'll be totally awesome. I do think there's something spiritual, something eerie about mirrors. Actually, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I recently read this article on anomalien.com. They were talking about a study that was done where this Italian psychologist, Giovanni Caputo, got some people to stare in mirrors for a long time. And then he wrote a paper on it. He wrote a paper on how vain Italians are. He wrote a paper on it, and he said, listen, if you have these conditions where you have very low light, the light's behind your back, and you stare at a large mirror, within a minute you'll see something. And this has always been an origin story for the Bloody Mary-type phenomenon. When you stare in a mirror long enough, your eyes will try to adjust to the light and it will actually distort your face and it will make you look monstrous. Looking at this article, he published his results in a journal called Perception. He had these 50 people, these 50 volunteers do this mirror test. And after 10 minutes, they had to do this for, they had to look at this mirror for 10 minutes. These were the results. 66% of the 50 people saw deformities in their own faces, which is what I had always told is what would happen, and that's what we were figuring out. Your brain's trying to process information in very, very low-light conditions, and it starts to distort your face. That's fine. Because you know that's not true, right? You know that you're not, oh, no, I'm an old witch from some comic strip. You don't have this giant nose with all these warts and stuff like that. I just walk out of the room. But 66% of them saw huge deformations in their own face. 18% of them saw a parent's face. So they actually saw one of their relatives' face with a monstrous look. I was like, whoa, that's actually a pretty big percentage. You're seeing your dad standing behind you, and he looks like an old-timey witch. You're like, ah! 18% saw a parent's face, and out of that group, 8% of them saw it as alive, a parent that was alive, and the remaining 10% saw a dead parent staring back at them. 28% of the total group saw an unknown person, someone they had never recognized. 18% saw... These These are going to go over 100% now that, I'm, now that I'm looking at these. These clearly go over 100%, so I'm thinking there was some morphine going on. But 18% saw animal faces appear such as a cat, a pig, or a lion, and 48% saw monsters. Which is interesting because, again, I always figured, yeah, your face would get deformed in low-light situations, but these people are seeing separate entities. Not like, oh, it's my face with a couple warts and I just have like all these bumps and bruises on my skin. No, they're seeing like... Golgarthar, the warlord of the deep or something like that. Like, they're seeing these fantastical beasts. <laughs> they're a unicorn. They're like, oh, this is totally awesome. I'm going to go grant wishes. Fascinating stuff. So I'm wondering, maybe the science isn't so cut and dry of mirrors, right? Maybe mirrors are a little spooky. Because who would have thought you would see monsters in them? <laughs> You're like, Jason, they're not seeing actual monsters. It's still the same thing. It's still the hallucination. But... Probably. But you have mirrors in this bathroom and you have multiples of them. You have the running water and then you have the public space where people keep coming in and 
expending energy, defecating into the water supply and all that stuff. <laughs> it goes into the sewage system. I know it's not going into the Avion machine factory, but there is something creepy about bathrooms, and I wonder if they are the perfect ghost-catching device. And then this one here, we have the added tragedy of... It'd be one thing if you walked in the bathroom and there was just like a little kid ghost standing in there with a balloon. I mean, it's still terrifying. It's still a little kid. But he's not like ble actively bleeding on the floor. He's like, I died of internal damage. I was like, okay, buddy, that's totally fine. You're, you do you. But yeah, like the blood pooling and everything like that, that just makes it so much creepier. Creepier, the guy's bleeding out. What's interesting, too, about using the bathroom as the perfect ghost-catching device, they did do pretty major renovations on this bathroom, and the sightings, quote-unquote, intensified after the renovations in 2011. I, and I don't know what they mean by intensified. I don't mean... I don't know if that means the spirit was appeared in a clearer form, like you could see him. I don't know if he started chasing you around with the razor as you're trying to pee into the urinal. They've intensified. And, you know, it's another... I didn't plan on talking about this, but we're going to segue to this real quick. Maury Sato, keep us driving around in the Jason Jalopy. Also in Chester, there is an old Roman amphitheater. Back when Rome actually had settled into the area. They built this huge amphitheater back in around 79 AD. And it's pretty big. It could hold up to 12,000 spectators. And they could sit and watch... People roll around in the dirt and stab each other in the neck. So you had this Roman amphitheater. This is on Vickers Lane in Chester. And apparently the ghost story goes like this. You can see an entire legion of Roman troops marching around. Huh, 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 huh. Marching around. Tour buses are going through them. You're like running through them because you have to be. You're like, out of the way, legionnaires. I got to get to that haunted bathroom. Apparently, you can see this Roman legion of troops marching around this area. What's interesting about that is the earliest sightings of the ghosts were in the time period, the Tudor time period. These ghosts were seen a long time ago, and you'd see these legionnaires walking around. But as we've moved on, that was a long, you know, a couple hundred years ago. The Tudor times. Everyone knows about the Tudor times, right? I obviously know exactly what I'm talking about when I read that off of a webpage. Tudor times were olden times. As time has marched on, the Legion has become fainter and fainter. Like the old reports are like, it looked just like a real Roman soldier, a whole group of Roman soldiers marching around. You could hear the armor clinking together. But nowadays when people sight them, they're just faded away. So again, it goes to that whole story, that whole theory that paranormal activity does over time fade away and then stop existing. So Chester seems to have a lot of paranormal activity and a lot of pretty strong paranormal activity. The man in the bathroom who locals call Tom, they don't know who this guy was. He's just as alive as ever. And maybe because they did the renovations, he came back and he was mad. He was a vengeful spirit or who knows? Maybe they moved the mirrors around and he's trapped for another hundred years. I don't know. I'm winging it at this point. But it's interesting. It's just outside the bathroom, not like right outside the bathroom, but in the same area, you do have this Roman legion that over time is slowly, slowly dissipating. Morisato, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous carboner copter. We are leaving behind Chester. I hope you guys all went to the bathroom on that story. Because this time we're going out to a country road somewhere in Greece. <laughs> the story, I gotta be honest, I'm kind of taking a punt on. 
this story could 100% be an urban legend. There could be some fact to it, or it could be creepypasta. Like, it's... There's so little information about this story outside of a single source. It could be creepypasta. But it could not be. It could not be. Either way, I think... It, yeah, you can hear I'm really edging my bets on this one. I think it's a really fascinating story. I think it could definitely be plausible. I can't get a hold of the person who wrote it. And the person who wrote it is into the SCP, which is the Secure, Contain, Prevent, or Protect. It is like a creepypasta group. So I was like, oh, like I hope this really isn't creepypasta. But even if it is creepypasta, I think it leads us to an interesting theory. Because whether or not this story is 100% true, I do believe stuff like this could have happened. You're like, Jason, yeah, sure, Slenderman can show up too. Let's let's reserve the creepypasta-ness till the end. We'll discuss it, because it could be true, right? I'm taking a punt. I really am. We're headed back to the year 2006. It's November 2006. And we're hanging out in the Perea Police Department. So in Greece, there's this town called Perea. There's a bunch of cops sitting there, feet up on the desk. Not doing much, you know, it's midnight. So how, how, busy, how busy can a city's crime problem be at midnight? The Perea police are just kind of hanging out. All of a sudden, the phone rings. Officer picks it up. Police, what's going on? And there's a guy on the other line, and he's panicking. The police officer immediately realizes that the caller is really, really upset. The caller goes, listen, I'm on the road. I'm on the road between Perea and Ni Epivades. And, the, and there's something out here. There's something out here, and I don't know what to do, and I really need police to come out here and check this out. Officer's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, what's out there? Like, a log? The log fall down? Is there, like, a car accident or something like that? And the caller said, quote, There is a fellow here pretending to be a person. Police officer's like, what are you talking about? Like, like is there like a, is there a vagrant out there? Like, what's going on? He can't make sense of that statement. There's a fellow out here pretending to be a person. So the caller responds, quote, a thing is standing in the middle of the road and I can't go near it. So the officer goes, okay, it must be some hobo out here. This guy might be a hobo as well. There might be a lot of drinking going on on this road. Hey, let's send out a squad car out there, though, to figure out what's going on. Is traffic getting blocked? We we got nothing better to do, right? So all these people are being robbed on the other side of the street. Everyone's using the urinal at the same time being attacked. Let's get a squad unit. Let's get a squad car out there. See what's going on. About five minutes later, squad car pulls up to the area. And they see the caller standing in the middle of the road, and the caller turns and looks at him and begins running to the police officers. And he's pointing. He's pointing at something down the street. He's sitting there, and he's pointing as he's running towards the police. He's pointing. The two officers are looking at each other, and they're like, what? what? What's going on, dude? What's going on? Is this, What's blocking the road? And they realize that the man... The caller, the person who originally called him, doesn't seem... He's either not speaking or he can't speak. 
The person who was previously talking on the phone is now running down the street, and he's almost just, he's just gesticulating. And seems like he wants to talk, but he can't for some reason. <laughs> almost like a creepypasta. But hold on, hold on. So the police officers call back to the station. They go, hey, listen, we got a situation here. We got this guy, the guy who called us originally. We think that's him, at least. He's just kind of freaking out and standing next to us now, just pointing. And we see what he's pointing at. There's something in the middle of the street. And the officer who's calling home base, he keeps saying there's something in the street. There is something in the street. And we got it. It is it's going to block traffic. We also don't know what in the world it is. It seems to be standing up. It's standing on two feet. But it's just growling. It just keeps growling. So police officers say, we're going to arrest this dude, this thing, right? We're going to get him in the back of the squad car. We'll take it back. We'll let you deal with it. They're calling it in. And when they say we're going to go apprehend it, the line goes dead. Okay, here's the thing. The more, the more I'm telling it. I read the story. I was like, wow, that's cool. And then I was writing my notes and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And the more I'm telling it, it really sounds like a creepypasta. But wait. Wait. <laughs> Bart Simpson shows up with realistic blood pouring out of his face. Hold on. The officers at the police station keep trying to get a hold of the police officers at the scene, and they keep calling it. Hey, are you guys there? Are you guys there? What's going on? Did you capture the thing? Did you find the thing? Did you capture it? Did you capture it? And then just, can you just pick up the radio, please? Like, what are you guys doing? We're getting worried. Well, after 30 minutes of this, which is a really long time after police officers go off the line, they should add 30 officers there in a heartbeat. After 30 minutes of trying to get a hold of these police officers, they go, okay, let's send another unit out to go check it out. <laughs> and, and play this cursed video game. Ben drowns as you drive out there. They're like, what? So they're driving out there. This other squad car goes out there. And when they get to the scene, because they knew exactly where this was. They knew the location. They knew it was in this rural road. They get there. The police officers call back to the station and they go, everybody's gone. Everyone's gone. There's nobody here. The police officers will, well, like, what do you mean? They, are they did he, does it look like they were pursuing them? Does it look like maybe they were chasing the thing? And here's the thing. They go, listen, the person who called us originally, they're gone. The police officers are gone. The police car is gone. And whatever that thing was that everyone was so worried about, it's gone. This street is completely empty. So you do start to think, did they get overpowered? Did they go on some long pursuit with these guys? So they begin to search the area, and as time goes on, the search perimeter gets bigger and bigger and bigger. They can't find these missing police officers. That's their main concern, right? These are their brothers in arms. they got to find these dudes. For 30 days, they're looking for these cops. And the dude, right? They're not ignoring the guy, the caller, but they definitely want to find their cops. And what happens is during their investigation, as they're trying to find these people, they are able to identify the caller. Most likely because he was missing from his work at this point, right? 30 days have passed. His name was Athanasios Mercatus. Athanasios Mercatus. 
who wasn't just some ordinary schmo in town. He was actually a very well-respected resident, and he was also a member of the local municipal council. So he's a local leader, very well-liked person, gone missing. Now you have two police officers and a politician gone, and the only thing they have to really go off of is a location and a phone call saying this thing is pretending to be a person. But after 30 days of searching and no idea of where these people are at, the state comes in, the state police comes in and says, it's not a local police issue anymore, we'll take care of it. Three months after the disappearance, there was a local radio station called Radio Epirius. 94.5 on the dial if you want to check them out. It actually seems more of like a Pop 40 station. I was kind of, wasn't listening to it. I tried. It was in Greek. It was, it was just Greek. It was just like this super loud Greek music. I was like, ugh. That's not for me. That's not for me. No Taylor Swift. But apparently it's a Top 40 station Pop Greek music. It's just, I don't understand it. And it was really loud. But Greek Top 40 Music is what it seemed like for the 0.5 seconds that I actually listened to it. I was like, I've made all judgments based on this. Top 40, that's what it looks like, 94.5. Anyways, apparently they also have a news division, which a lot of radio stations do. In America, they don't anymore, but there's a journalist there, and they go, hey, I want to look into that story. Remember a couple months ago when those police officers and that politician went missing and they never found him? I want to go see what could be going on just to kind of get an update. So that journalist goes to the police department in Paris and says, Hey, you know, I work for the radio station 94.5 Radio Paris. I would like to talk to you, interview you and some of your officers about the uh, missing police officers and that politician. And the police are like, what are you talking about? The journalist is like, uh, remember, it was just three months ago. You had two police officers go missing during a call and the politician was never located either. What was that about? And the police officers are like, we don't know what you're talking about. And the journalist goes, okay, well, I obviously got to speak to your boss because this is some sort of cover up. Like we all know that this happened. You guys are having this huge search for 30 days. I'm not an idiot. So eventually the journalist does get an interview with the police chief and the police chief says, I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. And apparently the journalist got a copy of a record basically showing that didn't happen. It was basically that's the way the that's the way the story was presented. So it might have been given like a list of calls that night, like who actually called one hundred, that's their version of nine one one, who called the one hundred number that night, or you know, the but basically the police chief was showing them. That we never had that call. That never happened. I have no idea what you're talking about. We never had two police officers and a politician go missing. Nothing. Why are you asking to look into a case that doesn't exist? I can't really prove to you it doesn't exist, but look at all these records showing that we have no record of it. Like, this is the day this has happened. This is all this stuff. There's nothing here. Then the journalist goes, listen, I know that this story happened because I remember the name of the politician. Athanasios Mercatus. So the journalist then starts trying to look at the city council, right? Trying to find a record that this guy used to be going to city council meetings and he's not there anymore. There is no record of this man ever being a member of the city council. No record of the call. No missing officers. 
No record of a missing council member. No record that that council member ever sat on the city government there. Everything is gone. Now, this is a really interesting story because obviously, listen, it could be a creepypasta. This came from a guy who he goes by the internet handle SCP Ethics Committee. So I'm assuming that is in reference to the creepypasta stuff. It's definitely possible. He does end it by saying the old, this story is still discussed among police officers. There is a people in the police force still talk about this. They were ordered not to reveal anything to anyone who asked, but it's still a really creepy event that they talk about. He says that his best friend's dad was a cop, which I know is about as legit as saying my uncle works for Nintendo. But could it be true? Now, we could look at this story and we could go, yes, this could be creepypasta. There's the other version. This could be an urban legend going among police officers, right? How they're trying to scare each other. And then, you know, police officers are famous for those campouts in the middle of the woods, cooking s'mores and telling ghost stories. It could be some way to haze the newest recruits. So that type of stuff, it could be that. The um, SCP poster, SCP Ethics Committee, also said this story used to float around on Greek paranormal boards back in the day. Like around the time this took place, it was a story that was floating around on these boards. So it's possible it was creepypasta back then. He's repeating it as truth. It's possible that he's making it up whole cloth. It's possible the story's an urban legend. It's possible that the story has elements of truth to it. Or it's possible that it's a little bit of everything. But the reason why I wanted to tell this story, one, I thought it was kind of cool. If it was just a creepypasta, I'm sorry for wasting your time. I really am. But if it's true, I do think this is how this type of stuff would play out, obviously, right? You would have... Because here's the thing. We've seen... Whether or not this story is true, we've seen similar stories that have taken place in the Soviet Union before the fall of communism. You would have another group come in and they would look just like regular police officers or state police officers, but they'd basically be federal, just wearing these uniforms of these police. They'd come and they'd take all the files and they would just completely delete all proof that these people existed if this was something they wanted to cover up. And it's exceedingly easy to do that. It's exceedingly easy. You'd be shocked how easy it is to eradicate information. Like, I, we talked about this on a recent episode. I said I think the body count from Hurricane Katrina was much higher than the official number. I think it was like five to 6,000 people died. Because you had all these reports. You had all these reports of all these bodies. And I think you can even count all the people who got murdered or just killed leaving the area, right? And then the people who were killed in the Thunderdome, or not Thunderdome, that's from Mad Max, but they had to take all the refugees, put them in the Superdome. Right, the giant football arena, and it's not made to be a humanitarian place. And I think the government artificially kept those numbers down so they wouldn't exceed the death toll of 9 11, which was around 3,000, 2,997, I think. I think you had more people die during Hurricane Katrina. And the thing, what I'm saying is that you wouldn't know that if you lost your grandpa during Hurricane Katrina and they said 1,500 people or 2,000 people died, you would assume they're counting your grandpa or your uncle or your sister, you would assume that that, but you, that's not the truth. They're actually leaving people out or they're saying, well, they didn't die during the hurricane. 
they drowned two days later. So technically, Hurricane Katrina didn't kill them. They're able to wiggle all this stuff. It's super easy to do stuff like that. And that's just fudging numbers. I think that would be even easier. But you could, you would go, what about the people who knew this guy who worked on the city council? Again, you would assume if you're on that city council and a council member went missing and you thought that was weird, but they looked for him for a month and then the state police came in, you would assume that the state police is sparing no expense to find this guy. He'll pop up eventually. And then it just, you stop thinking about it. You're not going to use your power to press on the state police to figure out what's going on. And maybe one of them, after six, eight months, did. Like this journalist, go, hey, what's going on with this? But most people would just, we always assume that the government has our back and they're taking care of it. But if one of these politicians or one of these people in a position of power went to talk to the police, the police would say the same thing. I don't know what you're talking about. That person was never reported missing would you continue to go up the government ranks and try to find that out? Would you start putting your... And then you'd run into the speed bump and they go, listen, you're asking too many questions and I know you really like your job on the city council. We'd hate to see you lose your position. I mean, you're, you like it, right? And obviously that's the veiled threat. Now, I tried looking for this person. <laughs> not, not in fly out to Greece and start going through the bushes. There is no mention of this person's name anywhere online. Now, that would make sense if it's a fake name, right? If it's a fake name written for Creepypasta, that would totally make sense. But it would also make sense if it was not Creepypasta. And he was completely scrubbed. And really, there's a huge difference between the internet of 2012 forward and 2012 back. Now so much stuff is being archived. But again, I archive things all the time, trusting archive.org and the Wayback Machine. But, who, you know... What happens when they get a something from the government, a letter from the government or an order saying, delete these pages that have been archived? They would do it. And I wouldn't be any the wiser. I just have all these archive links in my website. So it's super easy to make information disappear. We know that. And it's super easy to make facts and figures disappear. We know that. So it's not a stretch to make a person disappear. Not physically, but all record of them. So it's an interesting story. Again, if it's a creepypasta, I really apologize for wasting time because I don't like reading creepypasta. I mean, I like it. It's entertaining, but I wouldn't waste your time on the show. But I do like it as an example of how easy it would be to not only cover up that this is being investigated or was ever investigated, but cover up the fact that these people ever existed. It sounds ludicrous. It actually sounds like it would be hard, but it's far easier to do with the internet than it ever was. Because not only can you erase evidence that these people ever existed, you can plant evidence supporting that they never existed. Just it's this big wheel turning, which sucks because we would think if we were the ones missing, if we were the ones that faced some sort of tragedy, we want to think that all stops are being pulled to save us. But it depends on the circumstances of our calamity. It could be the opposite. Not only could it be no one's looking for us, but there could actively be a campaign to make it seem like we never existed. A man-made Mandela effect. 
to the point that even this journalist, after asking so many questions, has to wonder, am I going crazy or did this story actually happen? Because there's zero proof of it, but I know that it happened. What we're talking about is a man-made Mandela effect. And we have to ask ourselves, is this a super rare occurrence? Or does it happen all the time? But unless we're following the story in the media, unless we're investigating it on our own, we have no idea these little changes that are taking place. To the point that when we're confronted with information that is contrary to what we believe, we have to ask ourselves, well, am I wrong? Like, maybe I misheard that. Maybe... Maybe that was just some story I heard, but I'm pretty sure I remember that. But here's this information. You have to choose what you believe. A foggy mind? A whispered memory? Or the facts laid out on paper in front of you? It's a terrifying story. We're comforted because we are the ones looking at the paper. We're the ones who can walk away and go, maybe I was wrong about that. And we hope we're never the ones who went missing. Because in the end, not only is nobody looking for us, nobody even remembers we existed in the first place. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day.